Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 57 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I'm cold. Yeah. We're in the basement. The AC has been on for a couple of days, and it just dries everything out down here and makes it so damn chilly. Like, you weren't kidding about no. about the cold down here, man. I told you to bring a sweater. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, so for those of you who are not in the Detroit area with us, yes. uh, it is, uh, what would say, 82 today or something like that. Yeah. 82 degrees. Yeah, we've gotten up to 90 a few days and really humid. 90 was yesterday. Today and was, it was beautiful outside, it was really. Awful. Um, and, uh, Rob is sitting here in front of me with his hoodie on. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and a t shirt. And the last time, I came here in like a tank and a skirt. Yeah, I warned you. And he was like, you might want to dress a little warmer. And I'm like, buddy, come on. I'm nope. from Buffalo, New York. I know a thing or two about cold weather. No, 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 not no. like this. No, not like there's this. a blanket right there for you if you need it. Yeah. So, yeah. So but halfway through, I may, I may have to reach over and grab that because, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, our topic is not that hot tonight, but, uh. <laughs> We are talking about uh, getting people involved and engaged. That's what you come here, folks. The, That's right. the spicy hot takes. The spicy. The spiciness. <laughs> so uh, a couple updates. We hope everyone's doing well. Um, we're glad to hear, at least on the Michigan side, uh, that we've uh, had some of our stuff lifted so people can start getting together and some games can be ran on the local if you're feeling comfortable and everybody is healthy. Um, I think that that's, that's a good step in the right direction. Um, but I think everybody just needs to keep an eye on each other. And make sure everybody's feeling and and taking care of each other well. I think that's the part that the best thing that I can take out of the last week without getting into all of it that is not part of this podcast. Um, so much is going on. So much has happened. Um, and the best thing we can say is, is that we will be here. Our community will be here for each other mm-hmm. and we will support you. Yeah, absolutely. And we love everyone, and we're glad that you're here with us tonight. Absolutely. So join us. Get on our Discord. Whether you're in the U.S. or not, whether you're across the world, help us make a better gaming community uh, by adding to the conversation and adding your questions in for us, because we love hearing from everybody, and we know we've got people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also come on our website um, at uh, our new one at uh, Blueberry. Um, so it's storyteller concla- uh, storyteller dash conclave yep. dot blueberry dot net, and that's B L U B R R Y. So not B L U E, but B L U B R R Y dot net. Um, so, and for those who are joining on our Patreon, yes, you will get charged something. We're not too sure what that's going to be, but you may see some charge changes. We'll be working on that. Uh, that's that's something that's happened with the sales tax. We'll, we kind of went into detail, but our Patreon members are aware of that. It's been posted up there as well, uh, but we'll be continuing to look at that. So, mm-hmm. with that all aside, how do we get people engaged? Uh... How do we get engaged? <laughs> Yes, God, that's the question we've been asking ourselves lately, isn't it? Uh, Rob and I were talking uh, just before, uh, just before we started up here, and he's like, "So, how's uh, how's writing your game going?" And mm-hmm. I'm like, "Well, I got the story more or less figured out, but I'm just a few spoons too shy to actually like sit down and find the motivation to write it and yeah. get the group together." And I think. I, Rob was very agreeing on that. That it's that's, hard. It's kind of the mood right now. Yeah, it's it's hard to put everything together. It's hard to keep moving. Um, it's funny sometimes we talk about this show as therapy once mm-hmm. a week for us. It, it is. I mean, it keeps it is. us motivated. It keeps us looking at things. It keeps us fresh. It reminds us weekly that we need to do something. 
you know, it reminds some of our other listeners who've spent years working on something that they've got a project that they should probably continue working on because there's people waiting for that game. And I'm stepping off my soapbox. Right on. Right on. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, but what we're talking about today is getting your players interacting with your game and with each other. Um, And some reasons why it may not be happening and some reasons, some things to help you kind of move in that direction. And Mm -hmm. we got some excellent questions from people. Yeah. Um, So let's, let's start with the basics. Why aren't they? Yeah, why why what are reasons why players aren't engaging? Yeah. Um I mean I think probably the one of the more one of the most uh, uh frequent ones is they're maybe new to role playing. They're timid about it, maybe a little embarrassed to uh you know pretend to be someone else and you know be a grown adult playing make-believe games with other grown adults. Um it can be a little intimidating, especially, you know, if uh, you've got a storyteller who's doing all sorts of accents and stuff like that. You think to yourself, well, maybe I I can't I can't do that. I can't be like that. Well, it's, so it's, there's a there's a hesitation to engage that's that's there, especially for new players. No, and I agree. And, and sometimes when you're just um, when you're just stepping into something, when you're first like it's your first game with a group or it's your first game with a specific storyteller that you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Or or maybe it's like Gen Con where you're you have no idea who's at this table. Right, right. You're, you're you may not be a gregarious person, but you're really interested in playing this game. You're still trying to figure out where you fit in. Mm-hmm. And that fit, no different than moving into a new town or or stepping into a new family, you know, if you're being adopted or any of those kinds of things. All those feelings come out in these encounters uh, when you're playing games. So be understanding of those new players that they're they're probably going to be a little timid, a little mm-hmm. embarrassed. Um, but I mean, that's not the only reason. You might have players who you've known for years who've gamed with you maybe multiple sessions mm-hmm. and they just don't want to get involved. No. I mean, yes, they like playing with you, but maybe they're just bored. Yeah. Maybe it's not their, like, they, they got into it because they thought it was going to be really cool, and now they're like, nope, I'm just going to sit here and kind of page through my phone to the table and glance at you when you look at me. Oh, is it my turn in combat? Yeah, uh, I don't know, I hit the guy. Okay, cool. And that's like the one time you hear from them for the next 45 minutes, you know? Yeah. Speaking of hearing from somebody, I just want to say it. Hey, Arcane. Nice. Glad that you could join us on this. And I'm glad to hear that you're on the live chat as, er, in live chat as well. Yeah, so uh, we appreciate you joining us as well. A lot of people in live chat today. So yes. It's, it's Sam and Knox and Overwatch made it on time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you out on that one, brother. You, you, <laughs> got, you got life. You got life. I get it. But uh, we're happy to have every one of you with us. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, people get not only just bored. You may see something as boredom, but it might be distraction, actually. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, well, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of things that, that are distracting. Like, uh, there's just your random stuff mm-hmm. of like, you know, there's other stuff going on. Uh, games have like, become a lot more digital lately. Way more digital. Uh, so you know, we we're having D and D Beyond up at my games and whatnot. Um, and so when you've got a tablet sitting in front of you, there's that urge to just maybe, if it's not your turn in combat, flip over to Reddit, flip over to Tumblr, yeah, you know, surf on Facebook or whatever. Show it to a friend next to you at the table. Oh, ha ha, here's a funny cat video. Take a look at this. Now you're distracting other players. Try something new in the program that you're working in, whether it's Roll20 or Tabletop Simulator, like mess around with things, Mm -hmm. you know. There might be kids or pets in the environment as well that... You know, may or may not serve as distractions and whatnot. And I'm not, I'm not saying don't take care of your kids. That's not at all where I'm going with no, this. No, and but... we're, we're also saying that some of these people may not want to be distracted, but they are. 
Yeah. It, it, life does catch you off guard sure. and you have to take care of things. Exactly. And that, and that's the other part too, is that sometimes, you know, I've, I mean, we've had players and myself included, uh, sometimes come to game and I'm like, look, I'm just not in a good headspace today. You know, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be engaging 100%. I'm just not there right now because there's some real life stuff going on mm-hmm. or I've had a really crappy week or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you're just not always in the right headspace to game. Yeah. They also may just be slow to attach. They mm-hmm. might be taking their time and getting up to speed on the game itself, the mechanics, and that might be a little bit, you know, outside of them. But they might just seem, uh, what you might be considering boredom or distraction is actually just them trying to get themselves attached to the game. Sure, sure. And you kind of got to encourage them and figure out how to do that without being forceful or, or you know, pushing it in their face, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes that can be a little, you know, jarring. So, uh, There's also the reason why uh, uh, I, I, I know at specifically your games, your 7C games, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, I've been a little bit detached and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Oh, actually, your D&D game, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just simply because I know what the plot was. Yeah. I joined both of those games in progress. Yep. The Children of Heroes mm-hmm. uh, 7C game mm-hmm. and the D&D plot. I yep. came in chapter two of the D&D plot and about eight game sessions in or something like that to your 7C game. Yeah. So it was, it was a while. And both of those games, I ended up spending the first probably 10 game sessions just kind of going, I don't know, you all seem really mad that this guy's doing this thing. I don't know who this guy is, but you told me he's bad, so I'm going to hit him. Yep, yep. You know. Especially with the most recent one and the, the big world change. Yeah. That you guys are all kind of fumbling through. I kind of did a reset on that. Yeah. Uh, almost to a degree. So it's, it's taken a while to put all the pieces together, mm-hmm. you know. I've almost had several kind of micro one shots to get you guys comfortable with yourselves and you're, you're getting fed pieces of the plot to try and figure out what's going on with the world. So sure, sure. Yeah. But, in, but until that happens though, sometimes yeah. it can be difficult to engage and that mm-hmm. might not be, that mm-hmm. might be an aspect of, you know, it's not that I'm bored. It's not that I don't want to be here. I just, I'm trying to figure things out and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Right, know? right. So how do we approach this? How do we take this besides our keyword that we use Every time we talk about this stuff, communication. Oh, yeah, yeah, communication. Yeah, you forget Wait, about I, that all the time. I but... was thinking it was Cheetos, but, you know. Well, I mean, there's that, too, but um, uh, always with chopsticks. Always with chopsticks. So you don't get the powder all over your That's fingers. right. You get to enjoy it more. Exactly. But, uh, no, I think I think that your first step, no matter what you do, no matter what you're thinking, if you're like, how do I do this, just communicate. This isn't some elaborate ruse to try and get people to play games you're not you're not some expert role-playing director who's sitting in the crowd staring at the stage of hooligans and saying now you are a butterfly show me a butterfly with a soul you know you're not doing that you're not doing that <laughs> literally talk with them figure maybe, out maybe what it is. should though <laughs> i mean that, that's kind of funny but true you know somehow i'm getting like the image of a D version of chorus line mm. so actually can, can we can we back up just real, real quick yeah of course uh because uh knocks in the box in the live chat actually brings up a really good uh, hmm. a really good point and i i think it's something maybe we didn't bring we didn't uh, bring up in our our uh, discussion of why players might not be engaging uh and that is he says uh, sometimes i worry that my bestie struggles because she started playing to be with me and of course sarah but doesn't love tabletop like the rest of us that's actually that's something that wasn't on our list hmm. and that's that's players who join the game because hey all my friends are here and I it's mean, something yeah. to do with my friends but they're not there for the game right you know they're, they're there, there the just kind of to hang out right and that can be a really big barrier for for engaging you mm-hmm. know because because they don't care yeah they're not actually there for the game they're they unattached yeah yeah 
They're absolutely unattached. Yeah. And I think that there are ways that you can help them get attached mm-hmm. and enjoy it. But in the end, if they really don't enjoy the game. Yeah. You know, it's maybe there's a better way to handle that. I've, I've heard that story a, a lot too, you mm-hmm. know, like uh, uh, searching like DM Academy on mm-hmm. Reddit and stuff um, where people are like, yeah, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm six game sessions in and none of my players feel like showing up all the time. And it's like, and you hear the breakdown where it's like, you know, this person's my best friend, but they've got a lot going on in life. This person's a good friend. And then this other person's their girlfriend. And the only reason the girlfriend is there is because the other friend is there. Right. Not because they were invited to the game necessarily, but because... They show up. They're attached as a couple. Right. It's when they see each other. Right. Yeah. And I think early on life relationships, you know, in your teens and 20s, you know, you've got so much else going on that to say like, oh, once a week I go and play this game for six hours. That's six hours that they could be spending next to someone or with somebody and and either learning who they are or or getting connected with them. And yeah, they're going to want to be there with them. I see that. Mm -hmm. I feel that. So... But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, get that, uh, that, that edge. And yeah. And it was something that we did put in there, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so anyways. Yeah. So, communication. Yeah. So letting people know that it's something you want them to be, that you want them to be engaged, that you're hoping that they'll be engaged and that you'll work on it, and that that's part of the game that you're looking to do, because you want it to be more of a role-playing game yeah, versus a tactical game. It's or... kind of an implicit consent to role-play You know, Mm -hmm. that like what you're doing at that point is you're letting them know like, hey, if you're afraid to, you know, do an accent or Mm -hmm. or act out your character or show, you know, some emotional range in the make-believe sense of, you know, your character getting angry or your character Mm -hmm. getting, you know, passionate about something, you know, don't, don't worry about that. Like this is, we want that. I'm encouraging that straight up. Right. And it's not like it's wrong. There's nothing wrong. You're going to be cheering them on regardless. It's uh-huh. one of the reasons why I like 7C is, is that even if a character does something brash and and angry or highly emotionally charged, I'm not going to punish them for role-playing. Right, right. You know, yes, the action is definitely going to have a result that's expected, but it's not like I'm just going to be like, oh, and the guy shoots the gun and kills you, mm-hmm. you know, because you were brash. Like, no, no, no. That, that, that's not how that that's how you communicate with them to let them know that oh yeah yeah so. like uh my character in 7c in a uh uh an, an inn run by the she yes uh where there are strict magical rules of hospitality that are strictly enforced yeah. magically yes <laughs> meeting my rival there mm-hmm. and drawing a gun on him yep and you're like oh that's a huge no-no and i'm like well i know but, but it just happened <laughs> b- bitch stepped up and yep. here i am yep. so <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and we rolled through it yeah exactly and it, it happened exactly and it, we, we moved on mm-hmm. so so what other things uh well uh a lot of it i think starts pre-game okay um so you want to create backgrounds and histories and such like that that put them into the story um and uh, you know you can you can help this by like giving them a little bit of like what what might be revealed the first the first session um so like when i was pre-gaming with you guys for my game mm-hmm. i told you that there would be a plot about banditry and stuff like that yes um and i gave you a couple organizations mm-hmm. that were going to be heavily involved with it and i said okay you know as long as you're part of one of these two organizations and you have a reason to basically go fight bandits mm-hmm. you know there you go like yep. that that will give you enough of what you need. You off of that crafted a a soldier, a cleric, mm-hmm. um, who's interested in you know military esque sort of 
Yeah, uh, effectively retired, but not. Yeah, kind, kind yeah. of an old, an old grizzled mercenary. Yeah, you know, is what you made out of it. Yeah, and I thought that was great. Like mm-hmm. it, it fit, but you knew to do that. You mm-hmm. knew that you would be a welcome part of my story because I gave you those little breadcrumbs to kind of follow. Now, I didn't reveal anything about what the plot was mm-hmm. or who the players were, or what any of the complications were going to be. Yep. But you know, by just giving you those little snippets of find a character who would be happy in this environment, you were able to fall right in. Yes. I, I totally agree with that. And I think the the more you can give your players in small bites before mm-hmm. the game, simple little windows to help them create their characters or assist them in creating their characters if they're not um, feeling skilled enough to be able to do that within the system or just in general. They just, they're like, I, I don't even know what to play, but I want to play something in this game. What can I do? You know, giving them those kind of edges to not even talk about the class necessarily or where they're going to, just who the character is and how they could fit in, I think helps them get flavor for it. But I think good character pre-game stuff comes from that communication and those those moments of giving them something that maybe the other players don't necessarily know mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Giving them a bit of, of pre-plot that's maybe not even a major part of the plot, but is maybe part of the world specifically. Sure. So that when they come in, they have something to discuss. They have something to lap, you know, latch their character to. Right, right. And then, then, then in play, those play out as, you know, oh, hey, this is going on. And then you've got that one character who can drop their little nugget mm-hmm. and just say, oh, did you guys know that there was this other thing? And like, oh, no, we didn't. And now suddenly all yep. eyes are on that person. And they can talk about it. And they can talk about it. Yep. And then maybe everybody else has a unique little nugget they can all drop in there. Now they've all contributed in a, in a certain way. They right. all feel important in their own unique ways. And yes. that helps build the camaraderie. Yeah. Um, I think beyond that, when you're, you're moving into um, getting your table set. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was a great way that you you kind of put this in, as a note for us in here, um, that when you get that initial milk run or that initial appetizer menu mission, if mm-hmm. you will, that you're giving them space to breathe, you're focusing on each player and less like, because again, the mission is to go get a jug of milk and come back, yeah. right? That It's that cut and dry. It sounds funny to hell, right. but that's literally there, as there, cut and dry as This is not save the world. This yeah. is not, you know, there's you know. a vast conspiracy in the government. No. This is not. The goblin stole the baby. Go get the baby back. Go get the baby. That's we will it. give you gold yeah. if and, you get the baby. And there's literally nothing special about the goblins. They literally just came in and stole the baby while they were stealing a bunch of other fruit. You know, there's no secrets. The goblins aren't some special aligned goblin race that has deep underground minds connections to the gr- greater underdark and think no none of that no the baby isn't special right you know literally mm. keep it as simple as possible but flavor everything with the player with the characters in mind mm-hmm. so that you can talk to each one of those characters through it and focus on them to be able to focus on each other and have those communications. Exactly. See, the more you're focusing on external factors, like what is the vast conspiracy going on in the government right now, the less you're focusing on role-playing, mm-hmm. getting to know your party members and stuff like that. Plus, it gives them a nice little environment to start showing each other what they're all about. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a uh, another player who was uh, no longer in my group, um, but... Uh, they uh, they started with us in, in the first thing, mm-hmm. and we found out very quickly that you both had very different views on how to deal with other semi-sentient creatures. Yes. Oh, yeah. You, it was you fantastic. You were fighting goblins. Your character is a cleric of mercy. Yep. And wanted to spare them and show them as much as much clemency as possible. He wanted to just slaughter them because they're goblins. And he did. And he did. 
and there was immediately that tension between the two of you. Mm-hmm. But it was all in character. Mm-hmm. You know, it was between your characters. 100%. It was never between the players. Nope. But that 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 opening episode, that pilot episode, essentially of right. the of the campaign, is what showed you that there was going to be that dynamic. Yep. And yep. that might be a thing to build on later. And I know? think we, we we I continued that with uh, um the lordship himself mm-hmm. a little bit because uh again my character came from a point of leadership and order and military ranks and he's got this noble who he's kind of butting heads with every kind of step along that way mm-hmm. um you know it's like hey this isn't your time to have a discussion because that's not what this is this is a military contact mm-hmm. you know and i will make sure you guys don't die and meanwhile he's like no 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 we just need to do a show of force like no 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 we don't need to show our hand at all <laughs> right 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 so, yeah, things like that I think are are perfect for early milk runs, uh, for getting the characters to interact with each other and pulling that their backgrounds a little, the strings there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other thing too uh, that I know we've mentioned before in discussions like this is having a ringer at your table. Like if you've got a group of uh, new players, um, try to seed in one experienced role player who can kind of set the example of what you would like to see in your game. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I mentioned earlier, newer players tend to be very timid about role playing in yeah. general. It yes. tends to take a little bit to coax them out of their shell to maybe, maybe do a, do an accent or a voice or something like that. Or even just say, you know, get a little descriptive instead of just, I attack and then rolling their D 20 saying like, okay, so I draw my sword and I, I hold it up to the sunlight and I say, you know, uh, Lord of the sun grant me, you know, grant me strength. And I, I strike him. With a, with, I smite him, you know, mm-hmm. just, just the difference between I hit him with my sword and yeah. use a smite mm-hmm. and I lift it up to the sun. Yep. You know, that, you're not your role playing. Takes a little, yeah, it, 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 but sometimes you need someone at the table to kind of give them permission. Yep. You know, the one person who's going to step out of their shell and say, I do this. And then others kind of say like, oh, okay, that dude over there is doing mm-hmm. that. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I, uh, uh, uh. Can I roundhouse kick this guy? Yes, you can absolutely roundhouse kick this guy. Were you talking like Jackie Chan roundhouse kick? Are we talking like Street Fighter roundhouse kick? And it's important to be fans of your mm-hmm. new players mm-hmm. in those moments. Yep. When they when they do come out of their shell, ham it up for them. Let them have that moment. Encourage that. You know, and be be big fans of them. Yeah. You know? And and keep in mind there's a there's actually a mentality behind this that's the first follower. Mm-hmm. Um that, you know, whenever someone steps out and does something unique, people will kind of look at them funny. But the moment there's a second person doing it, the mentality shifts that now they are not part of that group. Yep. And you will pull the cluster into that group. So supporting your first follower is exceptionally important. Making sure that they they are there doing what you want. So being the voice with them, not you know, uh, not just letting them do that voice. Um, some things that kind of got were in the chat here that I thought were really good. Arcane Asylum was bringing up the player styles um, from fifth edition and fourth uh, fourth edition DM two. Uh, I agree. I completely agree with that. There's some stuff in there that. Feels a little weird the way they black and white it. Um, but yes, yeah, session zeros definitely help. Um, but surveys, I've, I've done tons of surveys for my games. Mm-hmm. I think I think for every one of my games that I've ever ran, I've done a survey. Yeah, I, I remember some of those. Uh, a lot of those were like, well, which plots do you guys feel like you want to pursue? Yeah. I don't know that they were ever like, what's your gaming style? 
Um, no, because because I was already beyond you, you that. You already with you knew guys. what our gaming style. But were. I, we were I did ask questions table. like, "Do you want more of a combat game? Do you want more of a social game? Yeah. Do you want more yep. of a mystery, or do you want more of an attack? You yeah, know, I remember kind of that thing. for your seven C. Yeah, yep. And I, I literally just crafted the game in that direction, mm-hmm. and I said, "Okay, this mm-hmm. is the way it's going to go." So, um, so yeah, being supportive of, of surveys, I'm 100 percent behind it. There's some really good surveys that people have generated out there, but honestly. With a Google account and forms, you can do it for free, and it'll give you a nice, easy way to get those out. Um, wow, wow, Overwatch, wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> Jesus, Chuck Norrish of the ha- the Half Orc Monk. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I mean, you're saying who you are, and that's uh, again, that's one of the things that um, we're kind of kind of get into in this is that um, when your players come up with something like that, when they're when they're not sure who they want to be, there's no reason why they can't gr- fix to something that they know. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, grab somebody from a movie, grab something from if you're not comfortable with coming whole cloth, give take some flavor from somebody else and add to it. You know, make it fit. Yeah. You know, and be supportive of them. Give them some ideas behind that. Um, you know, you may have an idea, but remember, it's theirs to craft because as soon as they take ownership of it, that's when you need to go hands off and just be supportive. Right, because they're going to be more enthusiastic about that. They're going to be a lot more uh, likely to role play to get into that character if they feel it's their own. It's something they enjoy and it's something they want to be there with. Roundhouse. Apparently, apparently, <laughs> when I said roundhouse kick, uh, like the, the 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 live chat went wild. We yeah. not only got the Chuck Norrish half orc monk uh, g- g- comment, but also uh, Knox in the box says, "Save the Tatsumaki Senpu Kyaku for higher levels." Oh wow! Okay. I don't even know what a Tatsumaki Senpu Kyaku is. Uh, that sounds to me like something that Ryu or Ken screams <laughs> in <laughs> Street Fighter. I could be completely wrong, and I will be told. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's probably that spinning, yeah. that spinning one that takes them across half yeah. the screen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and just keeps them going, just mm-hmm. keeps them going. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so some of the things once you've got your players in the game, once you've got your characters kind of with a little bit of flavor, you've got to keep that pace up. And I think one of the things that I see a lot of storytellers that we all have done mm-hmm. and that others do is they read. You have a beautiful description. You wrote it all up. You want to read it to your players. The moment your eyes go to that sheet and away from your players, you're lo- you're losing engagement. Yep. I'm not saying you have to memorize it, but you can change the way you read your descriptions to be something more engaging. So, just, there's more ways you can you can write them to be more engaging too. Um, you know, be player centric. You know, I think is 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 a really big one. You know, to keep them engaged during your descriptions. Uh, we've said it before. Um, where we've got one of my players is playing a a Nord in uh, in my game. Uh, we're set in uh, uh, in Elder Scrolls, and Nords come from the frozen north. They're near impervious to the cold. Would you say they come from the land of ice and snow with the midnight sun and the hot springs flow? Is there three hot springs there really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've, yeah, there I'm, are. I've okay. been there. Okay. In Skyrim. Yeah. Um. But, uh, mm. you know, when, when I do room descriptions, you know, I, I can describe it as like, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's below ground and there's, there's, uh, you know, stone dungeon walls and it's, it's chilly down here. The temperature drops 20 degrees as you, cr- as you, ca- you know, come down the, the, the 30 foot stairway. Mm-hmm. Steve, you are quite comfortable down here. Actually, everybody else kind of gets goosebumps. You're just like loving this because you're not in the, the hot summer sun anymore. And you can see the character like suddenly go, ah, oh, and he kind of just relaxes because he's in mm-hmm. the character, you know, but I'm giving him him a description that's specific to his character 
Um, you know, if things are, are hot, you know, I might tell the Khajiit character, who's a cat, they live in the desert. Yeah. You know, that things are extraordinarily comfortable for them. You love sitting in the sun. It's nice yeah. and warm. You know, everybody else, oh my God, you're baking. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Steve, it's... you're Nord. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the other thing that is when you're using voices, they don't have to be exquisite. But they, if you make just a slight change, raise your voice a little bit, uh-huh. draw out your words a little bit, um, you know, add a lisp, like literally stick your tongue to the top of your mouth while you're talking about this character. And suddenly you're something else. And all you have to do is make a simple note. Like I, uh, one of the things that I saw someone do, and it, it's something I really should be doing more often, um, is when I have an NPC have a card that just has three basic things on it. And one of those things is how to do the voice properly. A simple thing, like put your tongue to the roof of your mouth. Mm-hmm. The whole time I'm talking for that character, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. So that when you hear that voice you're like, oh, it's that dude again. And you the characters and players get an image in their mind. They know who's there. They they know what's going on. And it encourages them to interact with you, the NPC. Mm-hmm. And you're interacting with them. And that kind of leans into the whole idea of when the player says, well, I think she's really angry about this. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to, I might, you know, I, I think I'm going to do something about that. And you can look at her, okay, what would Katya say right now? Mm-hmm. You know, this guy's banging on her door. What? What is she? Is she going to shout at him? No, she wouldn't say a word. But I will throw three daggers at the door as it opens. Okay, all right, and uh-huh. and that is a form of role play. That's sure. a step away from the logistics of it and getting that person to engage with who their character is. One of the other the other little tips that I've got um, is that always refer to the player as their character's name yes when you're in now obviously you refer to them as their name if if you're talking directly to them correct but if we're talking about character interactions don't say rob what would what would theodane do right unless you're helping me encourage theodane yes what would you like to do yeah exactly there's a notable difference because i'm addressing the character Mm -hmm. what would you like to do yeah there's not a separation there yeah rob doesn't even come into it and the the action emphasis is on that person. Mm-hmm. So, um, the other, and again, talk directly to the character as much as you can. Um, some people don't necessarily like being singled out, and that's something you're going to have to kind of feel out for your players. Uh, but for those characters that are, uh, and, and player, actually, I should say, for those players who are okay with it, there's nothing necessarily wrong with opening up that. Uh, the dialogue to being, you know, pointing or directing or learn, you know, leaning in their direction mm-hmm. while you're communicating with them. You know, maybe the thing is like a an old hag and you're, you know, with long fingers, you kind of lean in and draw yourself oh, closer yeah. to them and hunch yourself down. So they get more of an image that you're communicating directly with them, mm-hmm. you know, as like as the character. God, I've seen I've seen Matthew Mercer practically transform himself behind the DM screen from one NPC to another. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Arcane Asylum actually has a really great comment in the, uh, mm. in the live chat. He says, three senses apply for NPCs, too. Mm-hmm. How do they sound? A single interesting appearance description and give them some personality to stand out. So uh, I, I tend to do this with uh, with the Seven Dwarves. Yeah, which I think um, is great. I think which is a great. suggestion from Taliesin Jaffe of, mm-hmm. uh, of Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's hundreds of ways of doing this there's oh, yeah. just random personality trait or yep. appearance trait uh mm-hmm. generators and stuff of like that sound so, traits things like that exactly yeah. so you know um for me like sleepy 
You know, okay, mm-hmm. so Sleepy's the seven dwarf, the one of the seven dwarves that I'm doing. So maybe the person is just worn out from a long day of work, and they're going to talk to you like this. Mm-hmm. And they're just... <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Look, it's closing time soon. Um, What was it you needed? Yeah, you know, exactly. But, it's but 2 already... o'clock in the afternoon, dude. Like, it's... how are you doing? That? Exactly. Yeah. Do you have a rough night? Now, suddenly there's a, there's a conversation right. started there, you know. Yeah. But but you you're not going to remember maybe the shopkeeper, but you'll remember that drowsy dude right. who was the shopkeeper. And know? I think what leans into that is that if they ask you personal questions, there's no question that maybe the NPC might ask them a personal question. For instance, one of my favorite things that I saw that started uh, uh, that was a a good dialogue was uh-huh. it was a group of players who had just got together at their inn, and literally the DM set the stage for the inn. Set them with a uh, a quest in the middle, basically, right? They, they, somebody came in, explained what he was, you know, need them for, mm-hmm. and then the next morning they were going to go meet this duke, and then literally the bard maid walked over and noted that the guy had a symbol on his shield, and she's like, "What's that for? Looks kind of important." Mm-hmm. And he kind of brought it up, and then one of the other players was like, "Wait a second, you're part of Ember Dawn." And that person knew something about Ember Dawn. Uh-huh. But that thing that they knew about Ember Dawn wasn't necessarily the truth. And so they started interacting. Four hours later, they finished the evening scene. Oh, jeez. Just all character interaction. Hey, you know, sometimes sometimes you get in there and it's mm-hmm. nothing but grind. And sometimes you get in there and not a single die hits the table. That's right. So having interaction with your characters that can open up doors like that uh-huh. um where the npc asks npc asks a personal question brings that color that the character brings to this game right and that's and that's great because constantly in your games it's always like well what's this npc's name what are they doing what right. do they look like you know yeah but how often do your npcs talk back to the players yeah you know except We're... for in i mean when it's when it's importantly negative yeah. when they're attacking them whether it's verbally or physically, when it's directly plot related, mm-hmm. you know, when it's when it's them interacting with the NPC, there's there's nothing better than a group of NPCs coming into town to a clapping parade, right? And that's great and all, but it doesn't bring it personally to them until the you know until when they get somewhere and somebody asks about the scar, mm-hmm. you know, where did you get that scar? You know, oh, okay, and now there's a different interaction going on there. It's personal. It's brought to a, a comfortable level with that right, person. So, right. All right. So, talked a lot about ways, a lot of ways to, uh, to 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 kind of get them in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you? Uh... <sighs> no, go ahead. The non. I, I'm with you. Moving on. Oh, I said, well, we'll come back. <laughs> we should jump to that topic already. I was actually going to jump to the next topic. It was setting, no, the, setting do it. the table. Well, but we already kind of talked about it. We though. did. But I think we need to talk about players who aren't engaging with other players. Oh, there's that. Yes, definitely. Yes. Um, all right. So we talked about how storytellers get their players to interact with the story mm-hmm. and with them or with the DM, DM yeah. but interacting with each other. I mean, have you ever had those 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 tables where you've got a bunch of players that are just kind of sitting there and like unless you're directly talking to them, they're not doing anything. It's almost like they disappear yeah. if the spotlight's not on them. Yep, one hundred percent. I've had whole sessions of players who I know will interact with each other don't, mm-hmm. not at all. And sometimes that's just chemistry. Yeah. I think that happens a lot of times with um, one shots. Where these people don't necessarily know each other, but they all are very interested in the game. Or things like uh, convention games, 
where you're not too sure how you're going to interact with them because they're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same kind of problems you have with interacting with the story or, or with the system is with each other. It's even worse because you're fearful of who that person is to the storyteller. Right. Right. Or their interaction. Like, well, 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 if I'm at all abrasive, am I just going to get booted out of this game? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, you may also, uh, actually, and I've, I've had this done before, may have animosity. Oh, yeah. one of the other players at the table, too. Yep, exactly. Um, it can be really difficult to get into your character, to enjoy even being at the table, if you really don't like someone or you're uncomfortable by someone at the, at the table. Yeah, Knox brought it up. People have fights. It happens. Um, and sometimes that destroys game sessions. Yeah. That destroys the reason to get together. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes removes people from groups because it's about connecting with each other as much as it is with the game. Exactly. We talk a lot about the assumption of friendship at mm-hmm. the table. And if that, if that is not present mm-hmm. from the get go, if you know, if you do not know that you can trust and, and get, get along with everybody else at the table. I mean, already you're, you're on a shaky foundation. You're not going to have a great game. Exactly. Exactly. And it could be something minor that the storyteller doesn't even know about. So I think any time that you step into a game, um, and even if it's your 12th session, your 50th session, if there's something going on between you and another player at that table, I think it em- empowers you to talk to the storyteller about that so that they can help figure out the best way to navigate that, whether it's something that is temporary and short mm-hmm. or whether it's something that's kind of devastating that's maybe going to change the, the course of that table. Yeah, is this something you guys can work out or is this like you guys got a blood feud going on, you know? Right, right. Um, And... Any of those things can be true, and it, it can definitely happen. Um, some of the reasons that you can you can help uh, get players to interact with each other, I think Dungeon World does a good job with bonds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where you literally have a bond to another character. Your character is bound to them because they have to protect them for a reason. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they owe them a debt, or they owe you a debt, or they're your sister's cousin's second roommate mm-hmm. from college that owes them money you know or even just um arcane asylum is bringing this up in the uh, the live chat and mm-hmm. uh, i know you've uh done something like this before and i tried to do something like this at the beginning of my game as well uh was you have each player give you three good rumors three bad rumors mm-hmm. and one false rumor yeah uh, that the other P- PCs might have heard, and then you distribute them out. Yes. And so coming in, you already know, oh, wait, you're that guy with the scar over his eye. I know you. Right. You've got a reputation for being a drunkard or whatever. Correct. Um, and whether that's true or not, it's right. something you've heard about them, and it's something that sparks roleplay. It's something that creates a bond, mm-hmm. either positive or negative, yep. um, between the players. Yep. And uh, now... The one thing I will say about about bonds in general, and like specifically this uh, uh, rumors thing, mm-hmm. is that, and I think this is the reason it didn't work out so well with me, is that some players it's it's really great for creating role play in general, mm-hmm. but um, and I know you've experienced this a little bit of this in in your game as well. Some players at your table may not be up for taking part in the creation process. Mm-hmm. Um, some players want to show up. And be told a story mm-hmm. and react to that story. They're, right. they're there to play. Yeah. But when you go to the length of asking them to be creative and write a piece of your story, mm-hmm. that can be a bridge too far. Yep. It can put people on the spot. Yep. It can make them outright uncomfortable just to, to have, you know, essentially be called upon in class, mm-hmm. you know, whether their hand was raised or not. Mm-hmm. And so... 
I would say be careful with that because it can sometimes cause backfire. yeah it, it, it can it can it can backfire for you and it can definitely put people off their feet and 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 kind of backstepping of like I, I don't want to be involved in this right now because I'm now not comfortable mm-hmm. like now I'm I'm the odd person out I'm sorry like, yeah I'm not gonna do that yeah and, and everybody else participated and now I'm you know I'm mm-hmm. the person who who can't come up with something on the fly right is there something wrong with me you correct know, there's a lot of it, it so just make sure of who your audience is before you do you do something like that and you can you know talk about it maybe first yeah. And just get everybody's kind of consent on things. Yeah. Anytime you're going to ask them to do something outside of gameplay and mechanics, make sure you ask um, and communicate with them because they may not be comfortable with that and they just might not want to do it. They may not. And it may just be that day that they're not comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be like all the time. They can just be like, you know what? I didn't sleep I don't... last night. Not on the spoons for this right now. Right. Or my work sucked. I, I have no energy, but I really want to be here with my friends because it helps energize me. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Have a seat. Let's play. We'll work through this. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, but there are there are a lot of games actually that have the the, the bond system uh, yeah. written into them. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Dungeon World. Seventh mm-hmm. uh, C has uh, has some some. Uh, they're they're tied more to fate and uh, to backgrounds mm-hmm. um, than anything else. But yeah, there's definitely some bonding that can occur there. Um, there are some other game mechanics in first edition and a few in second edition that definitely tie closer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But they're they're not as clean as bonds. Yep. Fifth uh, edition D and D has um, some black background like sort of uh, backgrounds uh, that that have some some yeah. elements of bonds. They don't necessarily tie you to other characters, but they do yeah. encourage individual personality. I think traits. they're world bonds because the way they, they they call them bonds, but they're not bonds as we would recognize. Yeah, they're they're, they're more bonds to the story than they are the other yeah, players. It, it helps you build your character. But I think a, as a storyteller, you can connect some of those dots. Mm-hmm. And that helps it definitely. And then there's there's games uh, uh, you put down here, Urban Shadows, uh, mm-hmm. and I know uh, for instance, like um, I'm not sure if this is a larger Fate thing. Um, I was actually just reading the rulebook for Fate yeah. earlier today, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't quite get to this part. Uh, but I know in at least the Dresden uh, Dresden Files role playing game that is based on the Fate system, creating the world, or I should say the like the city that you're going to be playing in, is part of the character creation process. And so you may not necessarily be directly bonded with one another, as in my character has hi- character X has history with character Y. But if everybody has a say in the creation process of the environment, you're all tied to the to the to the common environment, and therefore you have that common bond together there. Yeah, and by being, and that's a game where explicitly from the beginning you're already asking for input mm-hmm. uh, and bringing the characters together and any one of the games whether it's uh, urban shadows or mist uh, or, or city of mist or any of those where you're building the world with the storyteller and you're adding that input yeah you're part of it now you mm-hmm. know things um because you put them there and it doesn't even have to be like a fully realized thing you mm-hmm. know literally all you have to say is like what if there's a creepy mansion Okay. Okay. Creepy yeah. creepy mansion. We'll yep. jot that down. What do you think is going on in this creepy mansion? Man, I don't know. But okay. I just got like the idea think? of a creepy yeah. mansion. Cool. We'll ask somebody else. Or we'll just write creepy mansion and mm-hmm. we'll fill that blank in later. Yep. You know? I, I love the city building where you literally just take a blank sheet of paper and start drawing sectors of the city and then start filling in parts of the city. And then filling in whose parts of the, who's in those parts of the city. Mm-hmm. And and you could get down to some finite details, but it's not that important. But the 
people get more and more involved in those types of games where they're they're part of writing that little piece of history before yeah. their characters even come out. They're already invested. Yep. Because it's theirs. Yep. 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 Exactly. You want to do some questions? Yeah. I, I think that I want to end with one thing. Sure. Be patient. Yeah. Be patient. Don't push it. Be patient. It, you don't have to be critical role right off the bat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Start, I, I think start critical simple. role gives a lot of people anxiety performance because these are trained professionals that are literally doing their thing. I'm just literally going to take my take take just an eighth of a second before we do the question and say, anytime you watch a video online of professionals doing something, it should give you anxiety mm-hmm. because they're trained. Uh, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than you think, and they do this for a living and get paid for it. Exactly. exactly. Um, so but, just remember that. But it, it at the same time, if you can if you can see past the blinding lights, yep. it also gives you something to reach for. Yeah, you know, and draw, and draw from a little some, bit it, from from some inspiration from it. That's know? right, Sam. Matt Mercer ain't shit. Matt Mercer ain't shit. That's right. We're gonna eventually get that. He's as a, not uh, doing anything you can't do. That's right, and, and he wouldn't it. deny that either. So, yeah, exactly. All right. Let's hit a question. All right. We'll start right at the top. Knox in the box throws out there. Uh, how do you keep role play when mini games and puzzles are introduced? Uh, sometimes I feel like the RP element can get dropped while everybody's trying to figure out a riddle or obstacle. Um, it's true. You're not necessarily going to be... Uh, I think oftentimes, um, like last time I had a, a big puzzle for you guys to mm-hmm. figure out. I don't think it was necessarily like you were all talking with your, you know, your character's voices and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I think your problem solving techniques mm-hmm. were all still in character, even though you did slip back to that sort of like, well, Theodane's going to do this and Lord Thalian's going to do that. Right. And we together are going to do this. Right. You know, yeah. it slips back to a descriptive thing, but you were still in character. Very you know? much so. And I don't think it's realistic to expect that everybody's always going to be talking with their voice or, you know, whatever you're doing there. <laughs> no, you know, definitely it's... not. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, every game is going to have those moments where you step away from role play, where it's tactical. Yeah. Uh, especially in tactical games. D&D especially, where yeah. anytime you've got a moment where you switch to tactics players are going to shift back because their brains are going to go tactical. Right. And the more tactical players are going to be like, okay, this is what we need to do. You know, regardless of their actual position at the table Mm -hmm. or who their character is. And and I think that's that's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely okay. As long as everybody's having fun at the table, don't worry about it. Yep. So Sam asks, what are some easy tips or steps for more introverted players to do to ease into role playing? Um, if, if I was talking to the player themselves, I would say one of the first things you can do to ease in is literally make yourself a card like we do for our NPCs. Mm-hmm. Pick some very simple, three simple things. Something unique about the character's way they talk, uh, or maybe the way they move, or or something that is a idiosyncrasy about them. Do they really love horses? Are they craving sugar all the time? You know, do they have a lisp? Mm-hmm. Do they do they twitch when they talk about magic? You do know? they end every sentence in "yeah"? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> S- simple, simple, something simple can start you into a role playing habit mm-hmm. for that character, and then from there things blossom. Like uh, one of the best ways uh, that I would say that this would come out is literally like Inigo talking to Vicini, where he says, "I don't think you think that word means what you think it means." Mm-hmm. You know, right there, Vicini's been using the same word hundreds of times in front of him. And finally, he's just like, no, wait, dude, like, B- buddy, I know English, you, but what the heck? You gotta stop. Yeah. yeah. 
So it's, it's things like that, those little simple things, you know, that can make a huge difference. One of my characters that I had in a World of Darkness game uh, was a um, Melcave who was sane for all intents and purposes, except he believed he was an angel. And literally one of the things I wrote in my character sheet was he would duck going through doorways because his wings would clip on the top edge of the door frame. Mm-hmm. And so I would just do that instinctively every time I got into a narrow, small space. I would I would kind of crouch down and or lean funny. When, mm-hmm. when I was in a vehicle, I would apologize for the feathers getting in the way, you know, things like that. And people thought that was weird, but it was, it was a character trait that I chose and pushed. I really didn't have a voice for that character. Mm-hmm. I really didn't have any other mannerisms for him, but it was, it was defining for who the character was. Sure. And nobody else could see those wings. Yeah. So it was just who he was. Yep. So. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so, Technolich. Uh, Technolich asks, uh, piggyback on Sam's question. Oh, funny that. Uh, question, funny that. Um, when you have players who are spotlight thirsty, how do you balance them with the more timid players? Hmm. That is a good question. Uh, I, I think typically when I have spotlight thirsty players, um, to balance them with the more timid players, I, uh, I try to shine the spotlight on the timid players, um, in equal, uh, in equal, uh, portion. So I'll, I mean, I'll give the spotlight to the player who wants it because they're, they're, they're a player. Mm-hmm. They deserve to have their moment and yes. stuff like that. So just because another player is timid doesn't mean that I should necessarily pay less attention to their character. Right. But at the same time, then after I'm done shining the spotlight on, on, on the, the exuberant character, mm-hmm. I then turn to the timid player and say, and what is your character doing during, during this time? Yes. Okay. And the NPC says to you this and, and engage with them one on one. Yes. Give them the spotlight. There's and let, also... let them involve themselves in whatever, you know, yeah. level they're they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But at least show that their character is worth the, that time, mm-hmm. is worth equal time. Mm-hmm. So that if they do want to be a little more exuberant, if they do want to ease into that spotlight, they know it's available to them. Yeah. And there's nothing to say that that character may not want to be in the spotlight. They may want to sit back and be a silent nobody until they have their flourish or moment in the sun um, to do what they want to do. And that's something to communicate with that player. But if they're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, he kind of just takes the spotlight away and I just don't feel like I can do anything or say anything. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then maybe the next game session, the NPCs are hanging on to that person's word because they're connected to them. You know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, so if the one player is like maybe a paladin who's constantly communicating with everyone, Maybe the next session is a, is about a, the Thieves Guild coming with information, and they don't want to talk to him at all. In fact, they're like ninjaing away from him every time he comes in the room, and they're like, are you talking to somebody? And there's nobody else in the room but her. No, I'm, I'm just here alone. As soon as the door closes, like, the ninja's literally hanging off the back of the door frame. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, so here's what's going on. Like, are you are you talking to somebody? Nope, nope. Like, they're plastered to the ceiling, you know? You know, keep in mind, too, that there is not a character solution to this as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't always have to, say, to, to, to do it with your NPCs, but, like, if one character is legitimately stealing the spotlight mm-hmm. and it's making another character uncomfortable, mm-hmm. then you don't have a conversation. Yep. Just say, hey, look, uh, just, just, you know, like, and I'm not saying you're, you're doing anything wrong. I'm not saying you're being malicious or anything no. like that. Just so-and-so is feeling like maybe they're not getting enough time to, to shine and they, they need to come out of their shell a little mm-hmm. bit. So can you either help encourage that or maybe just try, take like try a 10 to, to a seven? Yeah. Take, take, take about 10 to 20% off there, Squirrely Dan. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Right, right. So, no, I agree. I agree. I think that's, uh, 
I think that's a, a really good idea to, to just keep communication up and make sure that before you push a spotlight onto somebody who's been quiet, that it's something that they even want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Knox actually kind of, kind of brings that, that very topic up too, about wanting the spotlight, mm-hmm. um, uh, in Sean's game, mm-hmm. um, uh, he, the, the aforementioned best friend slash roommate, uh, that he, uh, he was referring to earlier that may or may not be engaged in the game simply because she wants to hang out with, yeah. with the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, says, uh, you know, we kind of made her the group leader, uh, but I wonder if that sort of forced command is always a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, so what my solution to it was, just to kind of see how she reacted to it, was I didn't want to be the person constantly stealing the spotlight because I'm the ringer at the table. Right. Okay. Um, But I don't want to then have them following me around as the leader of It's Not the Sarah Show. Right. You know? They're not my followers. Mm-mm. I'm obviously the most experienced role player. Like I've I've had adventures. Sure. Don't get me wrong. Like I I can I can I'll play anything. Don't sure. worry. Don't worry about me. I'm having fun just being here. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about you guys. You're the new players. Right. So I want to hear what you want to do. Right. This is your adventure. I'm just here to hit things and right. heal you occasionally. Right. But sometimes players don't want Mm-mm. that command. They want to just. They want to be the follower. They want to ride the train. It's easier. Mm-hmm. It's certainly easier. And especially if you're a new player, it's, yeah. you know, it's easier to do that way. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe that is an out-of-character conversation that we, we do need to have. Is just, you know, what level of involvement do you want? Right. Are you comfortable having the spotlight shined on you? Or would you prefer more of a support role in the group? There's all kinds of players. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of people. And it's it's a communication thing. You have to stay in communication. You can't hold things back and, and expect your storyteller or expect your players to know what they should or shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Overwatch asks, how do you feel about crafty story elements specifically to interweave players background stories and thus encouraging them to role play together? IE player one is looking for his brother's murderer and player two is looking for to recover his family's red blade of destiny from a thief so you make it that Player's One Brother was killed by the Blade of Destiny. Uh, I think if players give you that much, you should start weaving them together, yes. Um, in the example you, you gave here, yeah, I think if I think if someone gave you Missing Red Blade and another person gave you a Murdered Family Member, saying that Murdered Family Member was killed with said Red Blade, I think it's great. Yeah, I think you run into some risks with plots going nowhere if a player leaves mm-hmm. or if they're not interested. Um, so I, I think there are some some definite points there uh, that can get a little questionable, especially if players write detailed backgrounds about who killed their brother with the blade and where the blade came from and how they got their hands on the blade. And then the other person doesn't write anything but has this idea that the blade is actually a Thieves Guild blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't fit in with what that other guy believes it is. Yeah. And now you're you're trying to make a decision of does player one story supersede players two story or are both of them lies? Well, I, I think, I think there's, there's a, there's a couple things to unpack there. Um, first, I, I think there's a, there's a discussion when backstories come in, uh, where they're, they're still kind of malleable. You're not going to have just someone hand you a whole cloth backstory and you just say, okay, yeah, cool. This yeah. is all canon now, exactly right. as you wrote it. You know? Right. Um, so if you do have that opportunity of like, actually, I see where this thread could go. But you wrote this detail in here, which kind of supersedes me being able to tie these in together. So you don't, you know, obviously don't tell the player, well, okay, it's really like this. But maybe have that discussion of, 
okay, so you said that this character was, or that this guy was, uh, well, like, for instance, the Mad Elf. Uh, yes. We talked a little, a little bit. He gave me a really good backstory. Yeah. And it's coming to fruition now in, in, in our in our table. Yeah. Uh, and so he wrote in there, like, you know, this this unknown bandit did this thing. And I'm like, you know is it, it is. important to you that you not know who this guy is? And he's like, no, I just didn't want to fill in a detail. And I'm like, right. okay. Then you do know exactly who it is. And it's this guy. And you hate him. And you yeah. know his name. Yeah. You and may have scarred him in the past. Exactly. And now, now he's a major villain yeah. in our in our plot, and there's role play that's based off of that. Yeah, it's and the moment that thing. it became something important, he was super involved. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I, th- I think it's the same goes when you're tying two character stories together, is, you know, if one person gives you a really detailed backstory that says this was this and that was that, A, mm-hmm. B, and C are all true, and if B is the thing that maybe makes it so you can't tie them together... Maybe go to that player and say, okay, um, I like your story. It's great. Thank you for giving me all this. I wonder if we can work together on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can we make it so that B is maybe a mystery? Maybe that's mm-hmm. up in the air. Maybe you don't know this fact. Right. Okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Sure, you, you absolutely know A, you absolutely know C. And now suddenly B becomes that linking point for you. You can tie it all in together. And then when the big reveal does happen, all players involved know that you know that this is their stories coming to fruition right no i think i think it's always good to try and mm-hmm. i think having even if your characters don't write backgrounds like in the case of fifth edition where you've got backgrounds as part of the character creation or even palladium games where you're literally adding in elements of the background mm-hmm. that are you know if you whole cloth of a dice um seventh c has the fate card system um there's nothing to say as a storyteller that you can't insert into that as well oh sure and absolutely. do the exact same thing to tie things together so be aware that it doesn't have to be hyper detailed. You don't have to know everything ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You just have to be prepared to answer and that when your answers come out, that they are facts. Right, right. So I, I think uh, we kind of talked about that in previous and we'll definitely be revisiting it. I know we will. But remember that whenever you're talking to a player, hearsay can't happen if it's a fact. Mm-hmm. And that fact has to stay a fact. Yes. So that they can feel confident moving forward. This isn't like a TV show where you could witness something and it may not actually be true because you witnessed it differently. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've read reviews after seasons of shows and people are like, no, that's in in season two. She hated him because of this, this and this. How are they dating now? You know, he killed his brother. Well, actually, he didn't kill his brother. You never saw him go in there and shoot him. In fact, what happened because you didn't see it in the scene was this. It's like. Wait, no, you literally opened a scene with him with a gun, yelling at the brother, walks in the door, two bullets happen, the guy dies, right? Everyone saw that. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no there was no investigation otherwise. So you basically just created a point where you could make that be one way or another and decided to never tie that end. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, hmm. Those kind of moments everyone kind of feels bad about because no one's confident. And when you when you're not confident... And you're a storyteller, or this way the story is going, you don't necessarily feel like you can go through with it. Yeah. Well, the moment the moment you start you start blurring what is truth, the you you start sowing discord and doubt. Exactly. Table. All right. So you can find our next week's topic is on uh, fate. Actually, we're in a game spotlight. Fate. Yeah. Uh, so, so that'll be fun. It's been a while. I got to do some reading. 
All right. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave or Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. You're listening to us, if you are, on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And please join us on Discord. You can find our link to our Discord on our Twitter. Uh, or you can uh, find it also on our website at Storyteller dash Conclave dot Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot net. And we want to give a big uh, shout out to our Patreon members, Knox in the Box, Sam, Arcane Asylum, all three of which are in our live chat today. So thank you guys for joining us and uh, thank you for supporting the show month after month. We really appreciate everything you do for us. Uh, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find them at geefrogmusic.weebly.com. And you can find our, our outro music, Only Our Footprints in the Sand, by Midair Machine at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine. We'd like to thank our families, Vicky, Sean. Thank you so much for helping us every time we do this and, and encouraging us to do this week after week. All of our friends who play games with us and keep us going with with ideas and stories and pretty much everything else. And you, our listeners, be safe, be kind to one another. We love we, you. We love you very much. Good night. Good night.